Season 1, Episode 18, Pet Peeves About Real Estate Salespeople. Hello and welcome to Get Real. My name is Josh Morgan, aka The Renovating Realtor. And I'm Gavin Townsend, longtime real estate investor with a background in education in the arts turned licensed sale professional. We're two realtors in the western New York area who love talking all things real estate. We cover a wide variety of topics with an aim to educate and entertain you. No matter your role as a buyer, seller, investor, enthusiast, or another real estate professional. You can trust that we're always going to be upfront and honest no matter what topic we're discussing. So listen up and get ready to, to get, get real. All right. We are talking today about, what are we doing? Pet peeves. We know you have them. Yeah. <laughs> the public's pet peeves when it comes to real estate agents. Any industry, we know we have our pet peeves. But we know, we know we've heard and we want to be responsive to what we've heard from the public, not personally necessarily about pet peeves that people have with real estate agents. Yeah, because I mean, sometimes it's, some people don't understand, sometimes we don't understand our consumers and so it's important that we take stock of that and we kind of take inventory of what we're hearing because if you don't take the feedback yeah then you're gonna find yourself on the other end of something really really bad yeah and so you need to listen because if you just keep doing things over and over and over again especially if you're getting a negative result yeah well then you're not doing yourself or your customers or clients a, a really good service right you need to listen to people listen to folks and take stock of that internalize it, really analyze it and reflect, and then maybe change some of your methods. Exactly. And we we researched what were the top, you know, top pet peeves of real estate agents. Um, And we want to take that into consideration and we want to reflect on that and have a candid conversation. And some of this can be pretty funny too, because understand that when we work together too, we have pet peeves of our colleagues as well. Um, You know, we have colleagues of our, you know, pet peeves of our clients, but that's not what this episode is about today. We want to talk about what are people's biggest pet peeves when it comes to working with a real estate agent. We know that one we hear all the time is lack of responsiveness. Yeah. Lack of responsiveness. Why aren't you getting back to me? I haven't heard anything. I hope everybody out there hasn't had this particular experience because, again, the whole importance of this episode is to, you know, take the feedback that we've gotten, the research that we've looked at, and we want to foster better communication with clients. At the end of the day, I think we're going to find at the end of all of these pet peeves that it points to collaboration. And I think there's some things, so there's there's two sides. There's two sides to all of these, right? And there's For know. sure. And we're not here to be defensive, but nope. we want to listen to who who was not getting back to you, so you know? So there is there is the agent side to where yes, we do sell homes and we do have to keep our pipelines moving. We do have to, you know, get it under contract, let the folks that are in that team and you know, a silo handle that, and then we do have to move on to a certain extent, but we do have to kind of circle back in intervals, right? And yep. keep that responsiveness going. And so that's that's important for us to do, but I think on the other side as as a buyer or seller, we have to understand that we are also dealing with a bunch of other stuff too. Yes, absolutely. So life happens. Uh, we have families. Some of us are dual career, things like that. I, you know, I've, I've got some agents that I work with that I really love and respect. They're like, I will always answer that phone. I don't care where I am. I am answering that phone. Good for you. Sometimes I wish that you hadn't, <laughs> um, <laughs> but good for you. But here's the deal. Sometimes I can't physically answer that phone. Yeah. Sometimes I'm in a meeting with a client face to face. I wouldn't be giving the utmost customer service experience to the client I'm physically with at that moment if I'm disrespecting that time and taking another call. But what I often do, and again, not to be defensive, but just to tell you, I might not be able to pick up that phone all the time, but I'm going to say, hey, I see you. 
I might text you right away and say, hey, I'm sorry I missed your call. I will call you back my first opportunity. Is this an emergency? If it's an emergency, say so, and then I'll do whatever I have to do. Right. Um, but I think that you know, lack of responsiveness is maybe you've gone beyond 24 hours and haven't heard from an agent. Maybe you sent an email and it wasn't returned. I think there's always, there's a two-way street, as Josh said, I feel the same thing with clients sometimes, and I don't want to harass them. No. I don't want to bug them and say, hey, I didn't hear from you in 10 seconds or less. Sometimes there is a matter of time urgency and things like that. But I think, you know, that goes two ways. But, you know, I hate when I hear, oh, they never got back to me. I call them. I never heard back. I just don't understand that. But obviously, it's something that happens a lot because we hear it a lot. Yeah. And so one of the things, too, that I've heard that people can do, like, so if you use Gmail, Right. You can snooze a snooze an email and you can snooze it so that it pops back up. Right. So that if it's not kind of use that as a reminder or oh. like your to do list. Right. So we mean you're not looking at your email every 30 seconds. Like well, I do. The thing is, you may <laughs> you may see it, but we yeah. get a lot of emails. And so you, you don't want that to get buried because it's something that you have to address. And unless you keep like a to do list. Right. And you're writing that down immediately. Like so you can just like snooze it and then it'll pop back up whenever you like when you decide. Right. OK. okay give it to me tomorrow morning. Right. You know. So it'll pop back up and it'll say, hey, you want to follow up on this? Right. Okay. So, oh, I, 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 I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that. yeah. That's yeah, where right. I'm going with it, right? Yeah. It's just like if you, if someone emails you through, and this is email specific, right? It's a big mode of what we sure. handle our transactions in, right? And so you're saying, okay, I got a communication. I can't deal with this right now, but I do need to deal with this. So, so I so can have it remind it, me later. And okay. then so it comes back up tomorrow morning, this afternoon, Makes somewhere sense. else. You know, and so that was kind of like a little, a little trick and thing, you know, that we can use yeah um but yeah responsiveness and so but my point was is we have to deal with it so yeah maybe we can't do it that split second i think a lot of this comes underneath the whole idea of the golden rule do unto others as you expect them to do unto you i i know what i expect in any service field i want someone maybe not to get back to me in 30 seconds or less but within 24 hours or something to that effect so that's what i want to give my clients and my customers that i did see you i did respond um, when are you able to make an appointment? Is this an emergency? No. Can we wait till Wednesday morning? Great. Let me get you on my calendar. And so another thing too that I've been I've been trying to be cognizant of is when I'm asking for you know say I'm asking I'm making a request is you know I can I can do you know I'll follow up with you once right grace period right all right hey just reaching out again sorry of course. maybe people you didn't get see busy it. you know once cool, we're good. You get busy. Right. And that's mm-hmm. where those tools come in hand, come in handy on the other side. Reminders. But like twice and it's like, Oh yeah. And then, and then maybe that's that, what you know, and then understandably. So if, if the track record speaks for itself and they got back to you, you got back to them. You, you don't want to come off as harassing somebody. Of course, life happens. Yeah. There are emergencies that happen. Sometimes I just say, Hey, I want to make sure you're all right. I haven't heard from you and vice versa, you know? And, um, but I just think it's using all the tools and technology we have these days like Josh just talked about, it it helps us manage and helps us get back to our clients that do need to hear from us. And that's important on the agent side is having your systems in place. Huge, 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 huge part of what we do is being able to have our systems in place to handle the situations. We have a large amount of information coming at us from all angles. And one thing that even with communicating with Gavin is that you always have to like make sure you are specifying the subject of what we're speaking of, right? When we're talking to real estate agents, because now you know you meet these people, these yeah. agents in multiple transactions, and then you're speaking of. I mean, you may be well ingrained in this transaction, but I always begin my conversation off. Yeah, just don't say where's the property condition disclosure statement. Which transaction are you talking about? Yeah, Who is this, yeah. and what are we talking about? Hey, yeah. uh, on six on this. Yeah, regarding on, this property regarding address, for property example, X Y Z. Yeah. Uh, doing that. What are we doing here? Same thing with, with clients, you know, Hey, you know, we, if, if you feel that you don't have to do that because we do make you feel so special that you're the only client we're working with, we are doing our job, but sometimes we might have to reference a property or a transaction, especially if you're a buyer that you're putting multiple offers on things. You're really aggressive in your home search right now. Um, you know, it's important for us to back up sometimes. Yes, we're human. We might get confused with another transaction if we're handling several, but it's a two way street. The other th- one of the other things that we know that um, is a pet peeve of the public um, is that they feel that real estate agents sometimes have pushy sales tactics. All right, here's the rub: is it pushy or is it true? 
I think it depends. It depends. It you depends. know, I think I think you get a sense of it. Or I, is it efficient? Well, I, I like to be efficient. We know that. And I like to say, you know, this is, we got to do this. We got to do this now, especially when things are so time sensitive with delayed negotiations and all that. That's true. Yeah. I think that when public clients, customers out there, when you're meeting your agent in those first few interactions, you can start to tease out and decide what's genuine, what's just a sales pitch, what's really educational and helpful to you. Well, if you're not comfortable with that person, you think it's all a bunch of BS, then that's not the agent for you. Well, and I think too, some people in the response that I've gotten or feedback that I've gotten is, this is moving really fast. I said, okay, move slow until it doesn't. And so when we speak together in the office, when we're getting to know each other, when we're figuring out if we're going to be a good, real. a good match, you know, um, we're going to target, we're going to, you know, do our conversations in a way to figure that out. But also it might sound a bit, you know, relaxed. That's fine. Right. But once the, once we start hitting the bricks and we start finding this stuff, it's the market that really is going to determine, you know, that timeline of everything. And so it may seem fast, but we should... You know, if we're doing our job also, we should have already spoken about this. Yeah, and there I think gonna, that's the communication gonna come, piece. There's going to come a time when this is going to seem all really rushed and you may not see know what's going on. Um, you know, and it may seem like I might be a little pushy. I'm not being pushy. I'm just trying to keep us on schedule so that we're... And make you win. Not in breach. Right. Of contract first. Right. And There's that too. Yeah. Because Dates I, are real and they're on a contract. I always tell tell my folks that I don't ever want to be, I don't ever want anybody to be waiting on us for something. Right. We're not going to be the issue that should something happen with this transaction. Because when I put my neck on the block, I want to be able to have all the facts, all the dates, all the emails to line that up and say, we did this, this is, we, we have all our stuff done. Sure. But I think at that point in your mid-transaction, I'm wondering if what the public is saying by pushy sales tactics is you go to an open house and the and the agent hosting the open house follows you to every room. Yeah. I get that. I let my folks breathe. I, I give them the spiel and say, now it's your time to go and let me know what you want to do. Same thing when I'm doing sh private showings. All right, let's get through all the bare bones. Let's look at the listing let's get through the entire home now you guys take your time and get through it and let me know when you have questions I think that breathing down one's neck or hey you're gonna sell I'm just checking in with you for the fourth time today right, you know right. things like that I think that might speak of desperation to make people uncomfortable if you know I would suggest to the public that Make sure, you know, whatever side you are in the real estate realm and in the market, if you're looking to sell a property, you should get a lot of information about what that type of agent's like through the listing presentation. Same thing with buyers. There should be a buyer presentation. And they should be able to speak to how they're going to work with you and you get to know them a little bit more. Then you can know whether or not it's really a pushy tactic and it's flashy and smoke and mirrors, or if it's real and relevant to you closing a transaction. Yeah, and I think that was, you know, that has to do with the the questions that I asked. Is it is it is it pushy? Is it true? Or do you we know, really? Is this a necessity? Uh, like, yeah, are we going to lose this transaction that you're already under contract unless you really get those paperwork in now? And you think I'm being pushy? You haven't seen pushy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, again, those I think I think agents being transparent and communicative about what the process looks like as much as one can before your midstream or in the midst of it is important. Absolutely. I also have to always give the disclaimer that every transaction is different and they're all going to work differently, and so it's game on. And it's almost becomes another full-time job. I don't, I don't mince those words. I make that pretty obvious to all my clients, no matter what side of the transaction or where they are in the market, buying or selling. This is also, this is a collaboration and this is going to require a time commitment from you. And it requires timely communication and execution of deliverables, period. Call it pushy or call it, like you said, call it the truth. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, moving on to the next one, things that we've heard is lack of market knowledge. I get it. We can't know everything about everything all the time. You're right. We can't. And it's really difficult. And we spend our, our downtime consuming information. So we read reports, we read industry publications, we re we do trainings, we, you know, it, are trying to stay relevant with with tactics and how to apply that to our local area, but 
all that effort. We put all that effort into, but there's still, you can't know everything. This is true. And I think, again, this applies, this applies on different scenarios. So let's say that you're the expert in your area. Let's say we're working in Genesee County in this instance, and you go and meet a client at a showing. They're, they're looking to purchase a home, and you go and show the home, and you know nothing about the house. You haven't done your homework. You haven't looked at the listing yet, the documents and all of that. And you just show up and say, hey, what do you think? That would annoy me. I want them to have done a little bit of research at least. I realize you're busy people, but that you've looked at the listing, you understand it, you have the basics down. I always like to call, if I'm not the listing agent, call the listing agent or communicate or say something or have an idea of what nuances are involved with that particular listing. Yeah, what's going on Before with it. I get there. I found more information out with having conversations with listing agents than really that you might be able to obtain on paper. Right. Um, because there might be, you know, and I'm not saying secret information, but there might be relevant information to where... Okay, well, maybe we can meet you there in the term, the TNC. Or, yeah, and, or, right. and then admit when you don't know something. Like, you know what, guys, I really don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Don't lie. Let Just me, say, I'm going to have to follow up with the listing agent in regards to that. If you haven't had a conversation with the listing agent before, you should definitely have a conversation yeah. with the listing agent after. Yeah. Or, you know, if they're if they're interested, if your clients are interested. Right, depending on what's going on. If it's self-evident and it goes from there, that's fine. I think the other thing that this kind of points to from the public's perspective is we can't be an expert in every single micro market. So I am not an expert in downtown Buffalo, I can tell you right now. I'd much rather you be in the hands of an agent who is. And so I love that you want to work with me and we can do the best we can. Or I might say I want to refer you to an expert. So I can understand again, coming from the buyer's perspective in this case that we're giving an example, I want to work with the expert. Same thing with listings. Do you know this area? Do you know what's going to work? Um, you know, I, I understand and can, and I encourage people really work with the experts in the area where you're buying and selling. So we live in the Finger Lakes region, right? And so, you know, if you have a lake property, you need to talk with a person Who's the lake expert? that sells property on that lake, mm-hmm. that lake, right? Because they're going to know that market. Now you can go to a different town and you can get somebody else who would know that right and so that's what we're making that's the point we're making here is like they're different they're different markets they are and, and you I'm don't not have to saying... and you don't have to go very far right right to, exactly to find those different markets not around here anyways yeah niche listings for example like something that is like a waterfront property or maybe it's something that's a farm you know and maybe i'm not the farm person yeah. but i do think it doesn't i'm what i'm saying is that you don't have to be beholden to geography like okay i'm i'm not able to sell a house in downtown buffalo because i'm not living there that's not the case you can do it you can do it but you've got to be working with an agent who's willing to get that in-depth of knowledge that makes the phone calls that goes there with you that does all that and it just doesn't dial it in so if you don't possess the knowledge right away are you working with an agent that's going to if they don't have the answers at the ready that they're going to find the answers and if you're an agent are you and then and you found yourself in that new territory are you doing a little bit of research to learn a little bit about that area absolutely because here's what's going to happen is you're going to learn a little bit about that area you're going to do one transaction you're going to be a little bit more knowledgeable yep. and then you're going to say oh i know a and little, you're going to build into that a area a little bit about that and let's let's try let maybe i focus a little bit on that area yeah, you know for sure see if we can farm it out and get more get more uh you know business in that area because how did you come to be in that area anyways was right. it someone from that area so is there not a lot of representation in that area sure could be a, a sparsely populated That's area an, that could be an opportunity yep absolutely you could see yourself with an opportunity so agents i mean if you're being if you're finding you're getting these calls and going to different areas that maybe you're not from but people are asking for you <laughs> yeah it could um, be a huge opportunity absolutely but you got it. But you got to do the work. <laughs> you can't just dial it in. I know you hear these horror stories of you know agents just writing offers and never being on the property and things like that. And I, I don't. Yeah. I just don't think that's the way to go. And I think that's you know maybe where some of this is coming from. Another thing that we hear also is that oftentimes, maybe not oftentimes, but sometimes it would definitely twerk you if somebody misrepresented a property. And I think this goes in a couple of different ways. Josh and I were just talking about intentional this. and unintentional. And 
intentional is obviously, you know, violation, right? You, you know, you can... Yeah. Don't you can, say it if it ain't so. And if you don't know, don't say it until you know. Right. Yeah. You can definitely find yourself in a bit of hot water if you're, misrep if you're intentionally misrepresenting properties. Uh, with that being said, there's a lot of information that we get from public sources that may not be 100% accurate. There's that. Every site has their disclaimer, right? Yeah. Although we try to be uh, quality data, you yeah. know, and accurate, we do yes, not sometimes we don't guarantee records. this. Correct. Okay. And sometimes you're just as good as the human information that you've been given from human to human. I can tell you, I've worked with clients um, and they've said this about the house and I know this would be the case and they have found out something that they weren't aware about the own property. So it wasn't an, um, an intentional misleading of the public, but it's something you find out later, but you've got to be quick to correct it. It could have been a family story, right? And my dad and my daddy's daddy and yes, my, my mom did this. So as my... soon as you know, then let everyone know. Yeah. I, the other thing I always feel that comes up a lot, a little levity in here is... Um, you see the beautiful photos online, okay? We are marketers, guys. That is our job. Sales We're trying to do that. It's through. what we do. We're not going to put bad photos up, although we'll get to that in a second. But then you get to the property, <laughs> and they're like, the photos were so much better than they are in person. Well, that's why we go to look at a house. The, yeah. the, the photos give you an idea. It, get, it engages you, and then we decide whether or not we're going to look at that property. Always looking at the house and pro the property in person is important. I think I get more annoyed personally when the photos are really bad because sometimes you're pleasantly surprised, you know, and, yeah. you know, yes, do a lot of us work with professional photographers or we're photographers ourselves or we're editing and things like that. Yeah. But, you know, there's, there are MS, MLS rules, et cetera, about photography and marketing and all that, that we're supposed to abide by. And I think I get a little twerk myself, agent to agent, when I see a misrepresentation of a property that is, is innocent. There's a cat and a cat bowl in the living room photo. I mean, you're not supposed to have people or animals or anything like that. It's right. maybe not a misrepresentation, but it's maybe not a great representation of the property. Yeah. And I've experienced this as well, gone through and, and have viewed a property. And I was like, Give that photographer a raise. <laughs> right. Because then you got there like, wow. He did it amazing. This was a shoebox, but it looked like a, he a McMansion online. Amazing job. Right. Amazing job. They did an amazing job. But also, too, is, is uh, you know, if there's something that's glaringly deficient about the property, mm -hmm. you're probably better off just being honest about it. And I think there's a fine line, you know, we're marketers, yes, but we're talking about unethical things, like not disclosing something when you knew something about it and things like that. Oh, you didn't want to show that half the roof was missing? Yeah. Come I mean, on. things like that. And, you know, I, it's a fine line. So and it, we are licensees and we have to protect that license. We have to protect the public. So I think, you know, this can really be a, a broad conversation, but I can understand why people are perturbed by that. Yeah, this, I mean, not seeing something like that and then getting to the property, especially if you have to drive some sort of distance to it. Yeah, disappointing. For your client and yourself to get out <laughs> Damaging there. Damaging at worst. And they, were, and they look out there and you're like, mm, now I know why there was no picture of the garage. Right, or it's, it's, right, it's right by the water tower. Yeah. <laughs> but again, of course you're going to show when you're working for your client and you're on the list side, you're going to show it in the best light. But again, it's disclosures about who the sellers are, the condition, uh, you know, are they, are they, um, is there a lien on the property? Things like that. If you know about those things, you've got to disclose them. Yeah, absolutely. And we are in a disclosure state too. So it's, yep. uh, that's a legal thing. Yep. You got it. Absolutely. Another thing that um, is a pet peeve of the public in relation to real estate agents is when agents don't have flexible scheduling. What do you think that means, Josh? I mean, you, you've got to have options for your clients. Uh, so if you're working with buyers, a lot of your work is typically going to be after work hours. Yes, you because know. they're working too. Yep. You are too, but your clients are presumably working maybe normal nine to five hours, and so they want to go after work. They can't go doing their work, and they can't take time off. Yep, and so we have to be. Or can they? We have to be cognizant of that, and also, uh, and the flip side from the agent to the consumer side, that yeah, sometimes I I would bet I would be willing to bet that a majority of folks buyers 
if you told your boss or supervisor or something um, that, hey, I'm in the process of buying a house and maybe I just might need to, if can I like check out? Can I out? come in early so I can leave yeah, earlier? Yeah, can I check out a little early if I come in? Some right. Some will be able to do that, some will not. But usually, I mean, buying a house is a, is a, is a milestone in life. Right. And so... You, right. I would hope... Everyone's excited about that and supportive, hopefully. that the people and team that you're with will support that you're doing a life decision. Mm-hmm. And be like, yes, how can I help you do this? Yes. So, yes, if the only time... If offers are... Like, you, Gavin, you say this all the time, right? Offers do, right? And it's Friday. And it's like, we should really get in here. Like, as soon as possible when that listing goes live, yeah, you okay. know what's going to happen. So Sooner the better to see it. Can we get in here yep. at 2.30? While my schedule's clean and clear and yours is too, let's get in there. Yeah, can we get in here at 2.30 so that we can talk about it at 3.30? Yes. So that we can craft an offer or go through the details, at least, of the offer right. so that... I can, you know, have breakfast on Saturday and work on your offer and right. then to then send it over to you, right. send it over to you on Saturday afternoon so to that review. you could potentially review and then sign on Sunday for me to turn in on Monday when offers are due. Yeah. I'm a habitual over planner and, so, and, and I, I just want my clients um, always to be comfortable either on the list side or the buy side to be able to review those documents. These are documents that are pithy. They're long, multi-pages. Sometimes the language isn't always clear to you. If it's your first rodeo, I want you to have ample time. Don't put us in a situation where offers are due tomorrow. Let's go right now. Sometimes it happens that way, guys. And if we can accommodate, but you also have to ask yourself, is that the best use of your time too? Making a big decision under gunfire like that, is that really going to happen? So that's my thing. That's my thing about inflexible scheduling is we have to be, uh, we have to be flexible and also to our buyers and, and sellers have to be flexible as well. I think this comes up too from a seller perspective. A lot of times, you know, you've got some sellers that are all about an open house. All about it. <laughs> it's yeah. like the holy grail thing about selling a house. And some people really are the opposite. They want nothing to do with it. And sometimes, you know, I think the agents don't do a great job of describing, you know, if you have a house that's vacant, it's easy to show why are we doing an open house in the first week of marketing. And the seller might be disappointed. Like they won't do this for me. They're being inflexible. You know, we're scheduling this and I don't understand it. Well, you're going to have to work that out and have that conversation in the listing agreement, you know, in the listing conversation. Um, I'm a proponent for if it doesn't sell, let's do an open house later, if it makes sense. But I think it's it's not just on the buy side of things. I think it's listing as well. And I think we have to be reasonable. I think your agent should be able to say, I can't go that time. I can't go at 7.30 on a Saturday morning because I have this previous commitment right. or I'm with another client. However, I can go these four other times. Yep. And somewhere in the middle, everybody can agree that something's going to happen. Yeah, I think you're always going to find success as an agent by presenting options. Like, like you said, yep, you just well said. The, the, four, the four options, yes. right? I have four times that, that I can fit this in. Yep. Um, can you make one of those times work? Yep. I, and if not, and like, okay, once in a while, we are out of town. Once in a while, there's a day off. Once in a time, once in a while, there's those things. So we know within our office, we tag team each other. Okay, if I can't physically get there and I can't, I know this. I've tried, but I can't be two places three at once. counties over. Yes, I can't, I can't be two places at once. If I could be, trust me, I would be. But if I can't physically get there, what are our other options? Like you said, Josh, is there an open house? Okay. Because if you got to the open house and you loved it, now let's schedule our private appointment later and go back and see it together. Yeah. Or is there another agent in my office, a colleague that I can tag team in and trust and like and say, you're going to work well with this person. They can get there while I'm over here and then we'll have a tete a tete and we'll go from there. Yeah. There's other ways to do this. So, you know, it, it's a collaboration. All debrief, these points. Yeah. Debrief are, with that agent. Exactly. How did it go? What did they think? We and can then make it work. Circle around with your client and say, hey, got all that information. Uh, let's, let's confirm. Right. Yep. Is that how you felt? Yep. Okay. Exactly. I think go, so. Yeah. So that's, I think we can all make it work. Or if, if it just comes to pass that, you know, <laughs> How, how, how important it is to you if you're really wanting to work with that particular agent and you're dead set on it, you have a buyer's agency agreement and all these things, 
you might sometimes have to adjust your schedule if it's that important. If that's the house and you've got to get there, we've got to work together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing that we hear from the public often is that sometimes real estate agents have a lack of communication or they don't update you with what's going on in the transaction. Now, I don't think that's the case with present company. However, <laughs> because I tend to over-communicate and I, the feedback I get, and I know Josh does too, is that our clients really appreciate the fact that we're on it maybe as much as we are. Um, but I can understand sometimes things happen. I know that I go into a dead zone a lot around here when I'm driving around Western New York. So sometimes yeah. I can't get to you right away, but within 24 hours, let's be reasonable with our expectations. Um, if they don't give regular updates, it's not just, Hey, our offer is accepted. See you in 60 days. Right. They want to know those milestones and they want to know those benchmarks. And it's not just the agent that's going to communicate that. I think a lot of times people forget the, the validity and the strength and the importance of the relationship with the attorneys, right? Or the yes. lender or the other moving pieces. We've talked about this on this podcast before. It takes a team of people to close a transaction. So maybe I, maybe you're actually getting the update before I am. And sometimes I'll tell them that. You'll probably understand, you'll probably know when your closing date and time is before I do. So please communicate that with me. Because here, just like you are our clients, you are the attorney's clients. We are not the attorney's clients. And yeah, so sometimes some they of, don't want to talk to us. Some of that information, they're like, yeah, we let you know because we are nice. Yeah. We don't have to let you know. It's their relationship with you, and that's that client confidentiality. So sometimes we just don't have the information. And that's our salesperson to attorney relationship as well, too. So if we know these, a lot of the times the paralegals are handling a lot of the the bulk of these transactions and are being overseen, overseen, overseen by an attorney. Had to think about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, so establishing good rapport with the paralegals is what allows us to get copied in on those emails sometimes, right? And, right. and efficiency, right? Exactly. And so we don't have, I have not experienced that problem in my transactions. I, I Everybody has been communicative to me so that oh, I yeah. can I communicate. I think we have a strong group of professionals in this area. Yeah, but I could it's understand. It's few and far between that I ever hear this. I can understand why that would happen is oh, because yeah. you're not my client. I don't have to tell you this yeah stuff. sometimes you know, things just go pear-shaped and that's the nature of it there might be other things going on there might be a divorce going on in a transaction yes. there might be private information somebody's ill that's a hipaa thing there are some things but i i think where this gets clarified is up front with those initial meetings you have with your agent when you should be asking your agent should be asking you what's the best way to communicate with you what are those modalities what are the times what are the expectations set the expectations here's what i tell my clients right away please don't facebook instant messenger me that is not an effective way of communication with me it might work great for you i can tell you right now there's a message probably sitting in there from 10 months ago and i'm I still will. not going to see it that's not effective uh business communication to me right I explain to them what works for me. I ask what works for them. Some people hate text messaging. Great, we won't do that. Some people only want a text message. And I say, well, there's going to be some times where we're going to have to have a conversation. Right. Even if that means that only you and your um, your significant other who you're purchasing the property with is 11.30 at night and that's the only time you guys can get on the phone for me to describe this very sophisticated thing to you, you know what? I'll do it. <laughs> but it's it's got to be set up front. And I think that's all about, you should know the signs right away of the type of agent you're working with. I, how, what was the experience leading up to your initial appointment? Were they able to communicate? Were they on time? Um, did they let you know if they're going to be late? Did they have to switch days? Were they responsive to your schedule then? All of that you should know in your first substantive interactions with an agent. Right. I think it spells it out right there. And so setting the expectations, managing them, sending them clear timeframes. That's why I like to say if I, you know, I'm on the phone with somebody else right now and I can't be two places at once, but at least I want to say to my clients, I see you, I hear you, I will get back to you as soon as possible. That's all they want. Did I you hear me? Did you see me? Are you going to get back to me? I think a lot of the communication and the communication and updates can be handled by the agent and it can be almost rolled into managing the expectations is when you're doing that initial intake, I'll call it because I mean, seller intake, buyer intake, yes. both are a thing. That onboarding Both are a meeting. thing. Yeah. When we're first getting into those stages of working together is 
this is how a transaction goes and this is what you can expect. Yes. I think that's where you really know. And I think in any transaction, any business relationship, we all communicate differently. We know that with the timeliness of things, especially in the current market, when we have things like delayed negotiations, inventory is low, et cetera, timeliness is really important. If you've got somebody that's going to be lackadaisical and get back to you in a day or two, that's not going to work for you. Yeah. It wouldn't work for me. I don't need somebody to get back to me in 30 seconds or less unless I say I need to hear back from you in 30 seconds or less. 911 emergency. Right. Then we're talking about a different situation altogether. But I think having that open dialogue up front to see whether or not you're going to be a good fit is critical. And all of these things at the end of the day that we're talking about today are really about communication patterns. Yeah. When I first got my license, I was, you know, when I found myself in my first transaction, I was like, okay, every week I'm going to kind of circle through this transaction. Here's where we are. And check and see, okay, no new information and uh, and update my person, whether that's a buyer or a seller, and on what we're, what's going on. Yep. And so I, I got pretty good feedback on that. It was, you know, they're like, hey, appreciate the information. I love it. Even if it was, hey, I didn't hear anything, um, no updates, but, you know, we're kind of in that lull. And sometimes, and again, people get nitpicky about this, and I, I know some people are are in love with text or not, or email or not, but I do think there's something to be said for the following. And I've kind of seen this from my colleagues in the lending world. I love it when they send like a benchmark email because I can refer to it over and over again. Right. And we all know, we were just talking about previously when we don't, we got busy and we were multitasking and we weren't able to address that message as it came in or phone call. But if I can point to something in writing with the date and the time that, no, we said on this day that this was the deal, there's something to be said for those kind of benchmark emails. Well, that's why. Or putting it in a text to say, no, we can refer back to it. That's why in this business, I, I enjoy written, written word, right? Because you. To you, remember. To remember. Yeah. And. To remind. And to remind and to, to prove because, you know, all of a sudden, if it wasn't written down, it never happened. And then people start saying things. Right. And it says, whoa, let's one step yeah. back. And it's not to be combative. It's just or to say. point fingers. It's just really to document. Hey, like I, I think thought, documentation is I thought important. we were on this page. I think we, you know, maybe there was a, mis, a, a miscommunication or right. something. Right. And if we let's, could go back to, you know, X, Y, Z. Again, not to be combative. But again, you've got to understand who you're working with and who your audience is and what's going to work for yeah. them. Let's get back on track and keep moving forward. Right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, you know, that's we're human beings. <laughs> One of the last things, and I'm sure there's a ton more pet peeves out there, and we'd love to hear from you and let you have you tell us what those pet peeves yeah, are. Yeah, let us know. Um, but, but one of them is um, the commission and fees transparency. This is important. This is huge because it's a really hot topic right now. It's a hot topic. Uh, and it's, it is, again, it's important. You need to understand as a buyer or a seller, a buyer and a seller, how the monies that are involved in this transaction are processed, distributed, and allocated. A lot of people don't understand prepaids. A lot of people don't understand escrows. A lot of people don't understand why does it take so much damn money to close a a transaction? Or how do you get paid, Josh? And where does that come from? And am I paying you by the hour? Does the brokerage pay you? Is this free? Uh, It's not free. It's not free. (laughs) And, you know. Nothing is free. There's nothing free. Nothing is free. But there's so many financial things with a transaction when it comes to real estate. And I think one of the biggest things is, you know, the worst thing could be that somebody gets to the closing and they look at that statement and they don't understand something that's there and they were surprised and shocked that they're paying a commission or that they've got to pay this or got to pay that. It it takes a village. It's not all incumbent upon the agent. But I think, again, in those initial onboarding meetings with a seller, with a buyer, you've got to talk about those things. Well, you have to because money is involved. You can't just... No one's working for free here. You can't just slide on by it and hope they won't notice that they're paying $200,000 from a property. And oh, by the way... You owe me minus commission. You owe me, minus you know, sixteen thousand right. dollars, and right. it's just like, huh? 
So one thing we're talking about now, which this is a big public trust uh, DOJ case right now, and so we're not at liberty to, we're not experts in this. We can't um, really talk about what the final outcome of this is going to be. We don't know the outcome. That's what we're saying. And so, but they are happening and they are based on the fact of. I didn't know what I was signing up for. Transparency and fees and, uh, and how these fees are distributed and who is paying these fees and commissions and all of these other things. And we may see some changes. We don't know yet what's going to change, but it's a thing. There's two, you know, two big cases, I believe, that are being heard. Mm-hmm. And it's a class action lawsuit, and it names several large firms um, that are nationwide that are involved in this transaction. And they're seeking, uh, sellers are seeking reimbursement because they didn't feel that they had an option, right? It's like, why do we have to pay this? I don't understand. The entire commission, what specifically this is, and the transparency of that. Now, it could still be the choice of the seller, and we might come full circle on all this. It remains to be seen by the time this podcast is published, whether or not we're going to have a verdict or how this is going to, if at all, change the field. But... Um, you know, typically it has been traditionally it has been the seller's um, responsibility to cover the commission. That should be discussed at the listing appointment in the yeah. listing agreement spelled out um, in a CMA discussing how those um, commissions are spelled out and derived net, in your net sheet. In a net sheet. So net this sheet. is what you right. This is what we're going to list the house at. This is your outstanding balance on the mortgage. Here are the other fees. The commission. You know, bank about eight percent minus that out this is your net those things have to get discussed and how some people felt that that wasn't disclosed and they didn't understand that I'll never know but you know it's important on both the buy side and on the listing side to have those discussions with your clients absolutely and so yes commission and fees transparency how they are divided out and it's important to understand uh, how your how your agent gets paid too and so, oh yeah, you okay? So if it's if it's six percent, and then it's split between the two brokerages, that's three and three. So you get three percent negative. Uh, no, then we have a split with our brokerage, and so we split that whatever the percentage is. Right. Fifty fifty, seventy thirty. You know, 60, whatever your 40, agreement is with your broker. Whatever your agreement is with your broker that is what your agent gets paid and so yes you can deduce what your agent is getting paid but i think it also lends a hand to expectations and understanding to say well i'm paying you twenty two thousand dollars you're not yeah I mean, <laughs> well look at everything we do and i think we've got to be better we have to be better proponents and advocates for and disclose and demonstrate our value proposition. Yes. That is impo- that is the takeaway. What Im- do we do? We're not Im- hourly. It's important because at the core, what our responsibility is to procure a willing, uh, ready and willing buyer. But what we end up doing most of the time is design, construction, uh, advisement. Sometimes if that's in your wheelhouse and you can do that without violating some sort of license other license law right um, we're not playing GC here general contractor but we we usually tend to end up offering some other type of insight referrals uh, going through all the processes of a transaction um, I mean we're not just door openers after closing connections I work with these people uh, I trust them they do work for me personally right um, if you're a new homeowner you're always looking for people that hey I, will this person show up right exactly if I call them? exactly and that's value and that is there is value driven in that and I think it goes two ways too because I think there is an assumption with some folks that real estate agents we've talked about this in previous episodes that you think they're magically getting paid by the broker they're not. And so go look at the list of um, pet peeves we just looked at because if they're not responding to you and running around like a crazy person with a chicken with her head cut off and all that, it's because they're not getting paid until that transaction closes. Um, so this all kind of culminates in 
having those conversations up front, putting all the cards on the table, asking all of your questions, understanding and developing a rapport and trust with your agent that they're going to be able to do all these things now that you know what the public has said about what really irks them about real estate agents. Now you have, now you know what to look for. Now you know what to have a conversation when you're interviewing agents. Folks are going to sell your house. Folks are going to help you purchase a home and what you're looking for. All of these things are really the hot button um, topics that people talk about. So now you have the knowledge and wherewithal to say, how do you handle that? Yep. What is the fee structure on this? And it's important to know what you're getting for your money as well. Mm -hmm. So it's okay. I think it's a valid question on the consumer side to say, all right, I understand how much it's going to cost. What what is in, what's included in that? Right, exactly. What is included? I in want that? to know that. Right, you know. And that's your value prop, your value proposition as an agent. And if you can't respond to that in some sort of coherent manner, other right. than, wow, well, I mean, I put notifications for you in the MLS, and that'll send you. <laughs> uh, and if that works for you, great. You got everything you needed from that sort of automation. Good for you. Updated but. listings, and uh, that's not. Oh, by the way. Uh, and yeah, no, there's so much more you do. You do more. And, and how many times do you hear Josh too, that, you know, and you know, the only other person other than a licensee that can sell their house is the owner itself. So, you know, for sale by owner, good for you. Depending on the market you're in, you feel very confident that you can market and sell that property yourself. Good. I hear oftentimes, though, I didn't realize all the communications I had to be on top of. I missed the phone call. I didn't talk to the attorney. Now they're walking away. Now I'm starting over again. And I thought I was going to get this price, but now I ha it just happens. So yeah. even if you're going to go that route, if you're going to try and sell the house yourself, have the conversation, interview a bunch of agents, talk about these, these pet peeves now that you know, talk to the agent of how they're going to deal with it so that you have an idea of what's going to be the best fit for you. Because in the end of the day, time is money. We want to realize your real estate goals. But if you're still sitting on that house that you were hoping to uh, rid yourself of and it's day 60 and you're still trying to do it yourself and you can't figure out how the heck to sell a house, perhaps you need to consult a professional. Well, and I think it's just good business. It's just plain good business just to explain this stuff, right? And not try to be, you know, smoke and mirrors about it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah it's money. It's right. Money no, we're it. here to be helpful. We, we recorded this episode because we wanted to spell um, what we hear sometimes, you know, oh, real estate agents, we're not all the same. We're hey. not all cookie cutter. Uh, we're not everybody's cup of tea, but I think there's enough of us out there. Everybody knows four to five real estate agents. You can find the right fit that's going to help you realize uh, well, your real uh, estate What's goals. there, like 1.3 million of us now? Well, it's a little bit different with the market because a lot of people have left the industry because some people can't hack it, guys. You you should be looking for people that have knowledge and skills and that they're able to connect those knowledge and skills in ways that work with you to meet your needs. That's why there are other options. There are all other options in every industry. And so I, that's why we're encouraging you and bringing this topic to the forefront so that you have the knowledge you need and have a little bit more information so you can interview and get someone you like to work with. So in a slamming market, in a bull market, like we've seen, it's uh, it's easy to sell houses, right? It doesn't take a whole lot of skill. It says, hey, uh, is there a house you want it or not, right? And this is what we've been experiencing. So a lot of agents, you can disagree. It's fine. It's okay. I disagree. It's okay. <laughs> and maybe I'm not... I don't think it's ever easy. Maybe I'm not articulating it correctly. I don't think it's ever and easy. And so why we've seen, you know, why we've seen that rush in of real estate agents is because, oh, money is cheap. Houses are expensive. Right. They're deducting a commission. This, right. And I took a picture. I posted it on Instagram and I sold the house and yep. I made 3% commission. And it's easy to get your license. No. And it's relatively simple to get your license, right? Sure. The process itself to be licensed is one thing. Is to be Simple. professional in your field takes experience, takes um, drive, it takes dedication, it takes study, it takes uh, being an expert, using the tools, doing all that, honing your craft. Here's my caveat. But when, the, when it gets tough and market conditions are less than favorable or different, you are going to find out who is worth their salt. Oh, absolutely. I agree and with that. here's another quote that I have is, when the tide goes out, you find out who is skinny dipping. That's right. That's for sure. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, it reveals a lot of who can really handle it. Who has skills and who is just a door opener? Yeah. Who is an actual salesperson? True. Good point. And who is just a face? Right. 
And that may be another in itself issue is, you know, and may go into the lack of market knowledge is they didn't really study. They just thought they could go out here and drive around. Right. Exactly. That's not true. And if that worked for you and that works for you, you know, that's what you want your representation to be and you goals achieved, check the box. Good for you. That's good. I just don't think that that's always going to be the case. And I think that, you know, you maybe bought in a market where it was really fast and easy and, you know, seemingly, I don't think it's ever easy, but um, that you got under contract, but years later, the market's changed and now you're selling that property. Are you going back to that agent? I think that says everything. Is that agent continuing to connect with you? And I'm with you. Is it a relationship? I'm with you on this, Gav. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, It's the people that came in. Thinking that it was easy, and yes. then we're seeing those people Who's, who exit, are giving us a bad name. Exit, <laughs> and we're seeing those people exit. Fly by the seat of their pants, fly by night. Because they're I realizing, they're yeah, realizing I that you, I cannot just bumble through this. No, Mm-mm. and because and it's bad. It's bad for you personally, your reputation, because you're going to get a bad one. Yep. It's bad for your brokerage. Because people see what brokerage you're probably associated not keep you around. with. And yeah, they may, if you have a series of these less than favorable transactions, right. you may find yourself just parting, they're wanting to part ways with you. Yeah. Um, because it's not going to be good. You're, you're not, you're not bringing us a good reputation yeah the point is that you know it's it is a field that you can like josh said relatively get into easily but to be successful is a whole other thing Mm -hmm. we saw a lot of people come into um licensees come into the market in the last few years and a lot have left and so i like that skinny who's skinny dipping and who's really swimming i like that yeah when the tide goes out you find out who's skinny dipping (laughs) i get it so again you have ample options there are so many great professionals in our area we're so lucky for that and so having these conversations having that substantive contact early on before you even get midstream into a transaction i think is your opportunity to shop to disclose to understand how you're best going to work together and to choose the right agent so that we don't have people out there giving us a bad rap what's that uh you always say vibe is your tribe yeah yeah your vibe is your tribe yeah and that's what's the beauty of it there's all sorts of different agents out there everybody's different something works for somebody might not work for another but that's the beauty of it so we wanted to record this episode to give you a little idea of what to look for what to watch out for and understand that we're not all cut from the same cloth no we're not we're unique just like everybody else's uh that's looking for real estate and you should match yourself up uh, if you're buying or selling with someone who matches your um, values, your style, maybe even maybe even lifestyle. You know. I think what's funny too, and Josh and I were talking before we started recording, but I'd like to say that you know I don't disagree with any of these things because understand that we also have our pet peeves with our cooperating brokers and agents. Yeah. We are working agent on agent. So yeah, I don't like it when I don't have an update and you knew about something. I don't like that when you didn't disclose, etc. It goes to where Ways and we all can put ourselves in the shoes of our clients. And I think that's when you find the best agents, when they're treating you the way that they expect to be treated, when they're treating you as friends and family from the get-go, when the expectations are clear, they're delivering results, and everybody's happy. Um, even, you know, the most... Some of the best agents really thrive in the most difficult of situations when they're able to thrive and deliver the bad news, maybe when it wasn't convenient to do so or it wasn't favorable. Right. Communication isn't just, yay, we're under contract. It's, hey, we have a problem. We are not under contract. But here's the scoop, and this is we- what we're going to do. So. I think this is why this is a really important episode and so that people can understand the the field a little bit and more the perspective of the role of an agent. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and with that, I think that's all we got. Exactly. Today. So we'd love, what are your pet peeves? We'd love to hear us. You can, yeah. from you. Um, if you want to go ahead and email us, we have a Gmail account. It's getrealestatepodcast at gmail.com. Um, send your feedback, your questions. We'd love if you have some suggestions for some upcoming episodes. We would, we're here to be helpful and to inform and to be entertaining. So please let us know what would help you. Follow us on social media. Yes, follow us on social media at Get Real, Get Real Estate Podcast on, on Instagram and Facebook. And please leave us a review. It helps us reach more people. It helps us let us it lets us know how we're doing. Um, and that's again the goal of this podcast is to help as many people as we can. Yeah, let's keep it real together. So thanks for tuning in.
Take care. Thank you for tuning in with us today. We hope to see you next time. We're going to be doing this a lot more, so to be sure to leave us a review and a rating as it lets us reach more people and lets us know how we're doing. We hope you're doing well. Cheers until next time.